don't care about this. They want hard-hitting stories and in-depth coverage and... and... And twins! <laughs> Welcome back to Queer Horror Cult. Yay, we're back. After our non-break. Yeah. Well, break break from everything else. Break from life so we can this. focus on this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm Lori. I'm Aria. And Why do I always say that was so extended? I'm Aria. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so with the whole... Christmas festive period in the rearview mirror, even though we're not yet at New Year's, um, it's nice to sort of put that over the shoulder and just move on ahead. Tell me about it. (laughs) Look at some, uh, so we're going to do a very non-seasonal episode today. That's right. Just a a more regular episode for you, because I know that's what I feel like doing. Regular, regular, yeah, yeah. Regular, regular. Yep. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, well, um, did you have a good holidays? Yeah. Yeah. Nice and chill. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good... I mean, I know we spent a large amount of it together, (laughs) but... Yes. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't know. It's funny, the older I get, the more I feel like shit around the holidays. Oh, that's too bad. And just, it's just, I don't know. And I, I have, realistically, like logically, I have no reason to... Yeah. Where it's like, Other than I, the usual, the, the blues of depression, winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just that pressure of like, oh, am I am I showing I care enough by getting all the right gifts for oh. every... And just that, like, there's that pressure. There's just feeling like shit because it's cold and miserable. And yeah, it's just... Fuck the holidays. <laughs> fuck the winter holidays. I'm fuck winter. You. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of reasons to not be too down on it. Mm-hmm. And not to rag it if it is one of those holidays you love. I, I know yeah. that uh, it's like my mom's favorite holiday. Well, it's her birthday too, so. <laughs> yeah, that could be a big part of it. Um, Double celebrations. Oh, yeah, because it's her birthday and my dad's birthday and their anniversary mm. and Christmas. Busy, and busy, busy. New busy Year's time Eve here. are like all in the same week. Yeah. So um, I can see why they like that time of year so much and all everything. the power to them. But mm-hmm. I, I find. Uh, the apathy grows year to year mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. But, you know, it makes sense. We're no longer little kids, but we also don't have, like, our own concrete family to start our own traditions with right. or anything. So in that sort of middle area, that gray zone. Plus, you know, just, oh, Lordy, being queer in the holidays is always <laughs> fun because of all the family and tradition yeah. and all that. It's like, okay, who am I not? seeing this year because i'm off with my quote unquote boyfriend's family yeah yeah 
It's a hard one to navigate. Mm. I don't like navigating it. It sounds glad that shit's over. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, then let's move on for <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I guess uh, we'll, we'll end the holiday thing with uh, our recommendations from last week. Sounds good. Um, I had suggested Inside as one, and I wanted to go in a little more into why I picked that one. Please. Because um, we were talking a bit, like, thinking on it, I, I thought a bit about our discussion in regards to P2, mm-hmm. where it really drives home that sort of isolation-slated loneliness right. over the holidays, because that's definitely her experience, too, and it's not by choice that she's no. isolated. It's a... Uh, not not in the same way that the creepy guard isolates himself, yeah. but it is sort of a sad time of the year where that loneliness is sort of pounded in mm-hmm. more. And on top of that, there's the whole notion of everything shutting down, so you're more vulnerable because mm-hmm. that infrastructure that supposedly keeps you safe isn't yeah, there. Yeah, the, the bare minimum that's usually there isn't to there. address people in crisis. And yeah, then, And like, then they go... When, when they're addressing you in crisis, like, oh, if only there was some way to prevent this. Yeah. But if you try to get go to the, them before you're in crisis, they're like, oh, sorry, you have to be in crisis to utilize the services. Sorry, side rant. But yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I was waiting minimum. for a side rant. Um, <laughs> the bare minimum that's normally available is like it is not. stripped down even more. Yeah. And on top of this, this has that going double over P2 in that, as I mentioned, it was set during the uh, Paris riots right. that were going on at the time. Yeah. So what police force there would be on uh christmas eve is already they're, they're a little tied up thin, yeah <laughs> yeah like i'm pretty sure the few instances of cops we do get in the movie you see them with one of the arrested rioters in the back of the car yeah so it really kind of works for that keeping out how is someone in a suburban seeming house so cut off and mm. isolated from everyone and there you go. I mean, she's heavily pregnant, so she's not going to be running any marathons to get away. No. Um, there's a very dangerous intruder in her house, and people are away for the holidays around here. People are otherwise busy. There's no emergency services. So it's a cool setting for doing that sort of home invasion, mm-hmm. um, that horror where, you know, just out the window is the safety and familiarity of the normal surroundings. That you can't reach it or yeah, access can't it. reach it. Cool. How about yourself with Black Christmas? Um, like yeah, just seeing, I, th- I don't know, I don't th- know if I have anything else to add. Um, I think I mentioned a little bit with that isolation where it's not this quite the same, but it's more that it provides like a cover for the, what's going on. Like, you know, the, the first young woman to get killed, it's like, Oh, she probably already left to go home to see her family for the holidays. So yeah. th- this idea that she's missing, it's like, well, she's not missing. There's clearly an explanation. Yeah, there's a reason for there's her a absence. Explanation. For- yeah, exactly. So it doesn't allow that kind of goes with, with everyone because everyone's slowly talking about going home mm-hmm. or like uh, one character gets so blisteringly drunk on the holidays that it's not weird for her to just sort of leave the story because right. she's off sleeping off a drunk anyway yeah. and the, all the characters have these reasons for being split up either to have them alone with the the killer hounding them or to explain why someone isn't like hey i haven't seen so and so in 20 minutes what's yeah. up should i be worried it's like well no i shouldn't yeah there's because of these reasons the holidays yeah and i, I mentioned this is one of my all-time favorite yep. slasher movies uh my favorite christmas movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and i just absolutely love how tense Mm-hmm. that the horrors in the house are especially Absolutely. when it's getting down to the wire um I, I know that that one i know exactly what's coming but it still got me on the edge of my seat every totally. time 
Yeah, so that's a great choice. Um, it's one that I'd love to come back to in a future episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it deserves its own yeah. focus in an episode, be it about just Black Christmas or... Like, there's a Find lot of some things. some kind of theme to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on that I would love to get into. Oh, yeah. No, that movie has a lot going for it. It's it's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So, um, this week... Episode 11. Episode 11. Steak Eyes. I know that that's two. That's a one and a one on a dice. You don't gamble, do you? I do not. I don't really gamble either. I'm thinking Snake Eyes from when I roll them in Monopoly. Ah, okay. (laughs) Anyways, the uh, repetition, the two two ones, the one one, the... It's our very flimsy excuse to... Look at twins. Twins. (laughs) Twins are like... I, I don't know. I wouldn't say they're like super common in horror movies, but like common enough you know and like they're common in very specific exactly ways. yeah like it's there you hear twin and you immediately you think of particular motifs of certain you know you think of like the shining you think of yeah i think like, sinister humans yeah or gross porn like that's totally that's when yeah, you hear twins in media that's kind of the uh yeah split you get so yeah. and one of them has to be evil they have to be foil like foils for each other yeah they can't just be like you know, complex human beings. <laughs> no, they can't <laughs> be complex. Own. No, there's one, they're, they're opposites of one another. Yeah, they're either complete opposites in a way that it's the difference is noted. Like, that's the... F- like, the, f- the, the point is, the point is they bring is the, the difference, difference. Into, into greater relief. Or it's a play on how identical they are. Right. Um. So, we picked some movies where... I feel like they do it a bit different. Like some of them, they have a lot of those similar things for sure. Mm-hmm. But we figured it would be good to kind of, at least between our different movies, get a bit of variety going. Yeah. So I um, guess we should start with uh, one of the big classic dramatic psychosexual horror movies, as they would call it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's a good, that's a very apt descriptor. Yeah. Uh, that would be David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers from 1988. Mm-hmm. And the... What did you think of this movie? You hadn't seen it before. I hadn't. Um, I liked it. Yeah, it creeped me out. <laughs> yeah. Certain, well, yeah, the whole kind of scheme they had going on there. It was just like... Oh, yeah, let's talk about that scheme. Yeah, yeah um, this idea that... Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, the twins are played by the same actor, so there aren't actually two of them. So this idea that you can't tell them apart. Because most identical twins... If you actually spend time with them, you begin to realize they look different enough you can tell them apart. Yeah, it's kind of funny because um, we're big fans of both the Saska sisters and of Tegan and Sarah. Yep. And (laughs) I know when I first started... Canadian identical twins. Yep. Western Canada. Western Canadian (laughs) Um, identical twins. Two sets. But when when I first started getting into their work and, you know, reading... Uh, interviews or seeing interviews with them and all that i found it very hard to tell them apart at me first. too yeah but then it's uh you always manage to clue in a little faster than i i could but <laughs> it's uh it doesn't take too long if you actually have familiarity to realize like no they're they're identical twins sure in like a genetic sense in like there is a stark similarity visually yeah, there like the phenotype is like yeah like but it's almost identical but you know once they're born it's not like they keep 
100% growing in the exact same way, mm-hmm. right? There's, yeah. uh, there's a lot you can tell someone apart with. Exactly. Um, although in Dead Ringers, I think it's interesting because uh, they comment on that. There's characters that say everyone can tell them apart. You know, you know who is who. And um, the uh, actress that they are creeping on... <laughs> Uh, she's, she even comments like astounded, like there's no telling you apart, is there? You're, you're absolutely identical. And the funny thing is everyone says they can tell them apart, but that's the scheme that we were talking about where they take turns being one another. They do. Exactly. um, Ellie's always showing up at events and pretending to be Bev. Yeah. And, uh. Well, he's like, you know, Bev's research is the basis of my work that I present to the public. Yeah. So, so. yeah, even, even if you can tell them, I, you know, tell them apart. And I mean, you can, like, to the actor's credit, he plays them both very differently. So yeah. You can he, tell oh, he does yeah, a great job. You can tell they are two very distinct, like, they carry themselves different ways. Their personalities are pretty different and everything. Yeah, we've got uh, Jeremy it, Irons as the actor. Yes. In a very, like, they shot this so well. This mm-hmm. is like Cronenberg using, uh motion tracking and all that when it was uh, fairly yeah, early so like you get nice scenes on. where the camera is dollying and tracking and panning around and they're both walking in the frame interacting with each other and both their faces are showing so it's not yep. even like body doubles that like are of just, course they use the body doubles yeah. when necessary uh, yeah but they but have they a lot of shots make a lot of use of it so they use it very strategically i think of the one in particular where the camera's tracking backwards or, mm-hmm. or moving backwards and they're walking towards it walking yeah. and talking on either side of the screen and i mean if you know anything about visual effects or if you've tried any of this stuff it's pretty obvious to think of like what they would have done not necessarily how to make it look so good but yeah um the techniques used but it's convincing it nonetheless is. it's not like oh there's an obvious composite that guy's green screened in or anything yeah, like he, that it doesn't look like that no it's really good yeah um but yeah so they do i guess that's a big part of the plot though is how identical they become with time mm-hmm. like when they're little kids they seem like identical it seems like two of the kids carbon copy yeah. in how they act and interact and, and then, how they think and how they yeah approach the world yeah and then when they're older they're markedly different in their personality but a big portion of the drama of the story is that they they act as one and as this sort mm-hmm. of system and then when di- when a wrench is thrown into the system's equilibrium we see everything kind of fall apart yeah and, and so. more to the point is they seem to mentally mm-hmm. conflate themselves yeah, and operate kind of like as one and and that's uh, one thing that i thought was really cool about this movie was mm-hmm. the way that they navigate both aspects yeah because um it felt well a lot of it is based in cliche it felt right. less cookie cutter than your usual it did, yeah you didn't have necessarily like there's the good twin and the evil twin like I felt like it very much started that it way, did, but then you realize they're both kind of gross and they yeah. both still care for each other in their own ways. So you get they like do. that weird mix. And they, and they aren't willing, even though you get the sense that like, you know, the seemingly grosser one in the beginning, Ellie doesn't, um, like he seems to maybe like think of himself more highly than he does of Bev. Yeah. There's a bit of a narcissistic. There is. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But they, uh, but nevertheless, he, he isn't going to just let him sink he's yeah. gonna like dive down there with him and like do everything he can to try and get him back yeah whereas the more humbled bev as uh his flaws start to show and his downward spirals happening there's that sort of ingrained narcissism where he yeah. clearly knows what's best and yeah a lot you, he starts acting a lot more like ellie <laughs> you get that a lot in the um tools for 
Harper. Yeah, the gynecological tools yeah. for, for mutant women. Yeah, because, you know, everyone else is questioning him. It's like, what the fuck? You can't use these as tools. And he's like, I'm the doctor. I clearly know what's best. And these blah, women blah, are blah. fucking mutants. It's the women who are wrong. Yeah, he's, yeah, the tools are perfect. It's the it's the bodies that are wrong, which it, it, make, it just makes your skin crawl. But it's also yeah. like, how often do we see that with, like, fashion and with all these things where it's mm-hmm. like, the, pro- the problem is that my body, I'm too fat to fit in these clothes. I'm too big to fit. It's like, yeah. no, the clothes are supposed to fit you, not the other way yeah, around. Yeah, the clothes aren't the uh, existent but, yeah, ideal. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> like, the, this is a product that is supposed to be made for you, yeah. not you are supposed to be made for the product. The product. Yeah, but this idea that the, it then gets internalized is like, well, it's my body that's wrong, mm-hmm. not the fucking system that says your you know, bodies are supposed to look like this. And that's yeah. if you don't look like this, you don't get to wear a wear like nice clothes yeah but there's also um it's it feels like a very on point uh portrayal of the medical system Mm -hmm. and where it fails people who aren't the hegemonic (laughs) so the normative female body is is what is being worked on and operated on and even then it's those bodies that fail the ideal of the male doctor and that's and then they get real misogynistic with it yeah (laughs) mutant women because yeah. they look fine on the outside, but they're monstrous inside. Yeah. Just because they're like cervixes are. Trificate. Yeah, trificate, or they like, I don't know, whatever weird standards he has for how your like birth canal and reproductive organs yeah. should That's appear. It. I, I don't thought know. it was hilarious early on when they're talking about wishing there were beauty pageants for the insides of yeah, bodies, like was... best spleen and stuff like that. <laughs> that made me laugh pretty hard. Oh, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But what what a dystopic like ideal uh, that would bring about? Yeah, that that just had me flashing back to like a repo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of stuff, it's just know? like, oh, we see where that goes. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course, uh, with their personality being conflated and sort of melding into itself, we start getting because it's David Cronenberg. We get some really <laughs> great visual body horror stuff yeah. that's sort of doing the conjoined twin thing, mm-hmm. where we see. Like, he has that nightmare sequence where he's physically conjoined. It's almost like an umbilical Bev cord, is, yeah, but like a really monstrous... Monstrous umbilical cord between Bev and Ellie. And he he's horrified because he's trying to sort of become his own person outside yeah, of Yeah, there's Ellie a real lack point. of, like, individuation between them. And he's kind and, of trying to move towards that sort of, like, create... Yeah, finding figuring out the differentiation, like, where, where does Ellie end and Bev begin mm-hmm. kind of thing. And how do we... Yeah operate separately while still maintaining harmony <laughs> yeah and so of course this being a nightmare in a cronenberg movie yes. um their solution is to chew through the umbilicus thing and that the, is the, uh, the connecting appendage <laughs> that is uh gross <laughs> um, yeah to say the least yeah and of course on the conjoined front uh it feels like you can't have a movie about conjoined twins without bringing in chang and ang of course not. which there is a big sort of speech that it's it kind of fits in thematically where they're talking about the lives uh, and ends of, mm-hmm. Ch- of Chang and Aang and it's kind of showing how as one of them hurts even though they are different bodies and stuff psychologically they are both sort of suffering because their their lives are so connected uh like metaphorically as yeah. opposed to a physical right. bodily connection they are essentially conjoined twins in this movie with as we said, they're like weird psychosexual. Yeah, they're like psychologically conjoined. Yeah. I guess. So you could go. Yeah. Going to throw in a term there. Yeah. So it's a kind of an interesting 
And then, yeah, there's that weird psychosexual angle about it where it's just like, clearly want to fuck you, bro. And it's funny because it it's almost like, maybe, maybe it has to do with some of the um, gross, like, over-sexualization that gets projected on twins, usually women or girls, but yeah. here we kind of see it with one another, I guess with, with the men, but with one another. But it's almost this idea that they're so narcissist, you know, this idea of the narcissist who they'd fuck themselves if they could. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, here they have a, what is essentially a carbon copy of themselves. Of course they want to fuck their twin because yeah. they just be, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just weird. Because <laughs> they love themselves so much. Yeah. That actually, um, I think we should definitely come back to the grossness of the, uh, twins oh, yeah, sexually together will. thing uh, a bit later but that we does will. remind me of a particular quote i believe is an interview with tegan uh quinn where mm-hmm. she's talking about how people always are trying to conflate like it's like hey so so you're both twins and you're both lesbians so you guys like do you guys do it or whatever oh. and she has this fu- this fun little retort about it's like you would i get why they think that because you know like i love myself but even so that's so like why why would you ask oh it's it's so gross like Like, it's it's such a a gross um like yeah interruption of like acceptable boundaries or you know like they don't ask that of of siblings who aren't twins well yeah yeah like or like brother and sister like oh do you guys bang you're both sex symbols like yeah it's yeah just just, oh just because you're both lesbians and you can't produce like a potentially genetically doomed incest baby therefore yeah, you guys probably fuck. Like, and it's there's cool. just all these levels to like. Why would you think that's an okay thing? Yeah, why, yeah. First of all, I just think it's okay to ask somebody that. But why? Why would your brain even go? Like, yeah, the implications what of what the fuck is wrong with you? They, the the question asker is approaching. Yeah, this is a lot more about the question asker than anything. But like, like, I feel like for real, in the nicest way, like the nicest of intentions, a question asker can have with that is they just want to really get sorted and cheap with the interview. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't actually care or think it's real, but it's like, hey, this is a thing we can touch on that'll, that's if, a scandalous if they get asked, thought. They seem to get asked en- enough that enough people go there that it's, yep. like, It's, for real. Uh, fucked up. Yeah. But, yeah, so, um, back to Dead Ringers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a very, um, all over the place discussion with Dead Ringers, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot in Dead Ringers. Lots yeah, to talk about. like I said, from a filmmaking perspective, I thought it was really well done. It's impressive. And, um, I, I enjoy this movie. Me too. It's it definitely had a different bent to it now. Watching it now than when I I'd seen it years and years mm. ago. Um, oh, there was one thing that uh, we were starting to talk to at the beginning, but we kind of glossed over. Is their scheme? Oh, is it like that was so. Yeah. Gross. And, and like, because not only do they share lives, but they share women and they trick women into thinking that they, yeah, like Ellie will seduce them and then go send. Pawn them off on Bev kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like pretend to be me. To yeah. Because otherwise you'd be a virgin. And it's like, oh, that's great. So you guys are just cool with. Casually committing rape. assault. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's sexual assault. It 100%. is. hundred yeah. percent. You know, deception thing. It doesn't matter that they look the same. It, yeah, it's 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 so gross. It's um, Ugh. yeah. So yeah. I do quite enjoy um the choice words that get thrown at them yes. over how it's gross. I Absolutely. feel like they don't really get good comeuppance on no. on that, unfortunately. But no. it's I at the same time I don't really think 
with a lot of Cronenberg stuff, it's sort of presented. It's mm-hmm. not presented as, like, since I'm not specifically pointing at this and saying, like, how gross, um, it doesn't mean that he's condoning it or, like, that yeah. it's okay. Like, yeah. it's, um, he just kind of, that's a lot of his movies, presents gross stuff, and it's up to us to react. Yep, that's true. Yeah, at least that's the vibe I get off mm-hmm. his work. Yeah, no, I, I don't get the impression that Cronenberg's being like, I'm not explicitly uh, or, yeah. saying this is bad, so therefore I'm saying this is good by, like, by process of elimination. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, make that assertion, for sure. Because if that was the case, then right from the, from the get-go, you'd be like, dude, what the fuck? What yeah. is your view on humanity? And I mean, I think maybe you can still say that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm here for his view on humanity because yeah. it's so bonkers. Yeah. Like we mentioned a few times, there'd be certain lines that come up and it'd be like, that is, that is like such a Cronenberg thing to say. <laughs> That's true. Anytime that it conflates the, the body with, actually, that is a funny thing about this movie is that so much of the horror is psychological mm-hmm. from the dude who is like the king of, the body, king horror, of body horror. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I mean, that body horror is in there in like the night. But he's also sequence, like but... one of the kings of like existential dread. Absolutely. And just like bleak. Oh yeah, no. So... <laughs> it's not a surprise that he can do the psychological mm-hmm. so well. It's just it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that... you hear Cronenberg, you think body horror. Yeah, he kind so... of hits that, that level of body horror, but in the mind. Yeah. Yet it doesn't feel like it's diluted or watered down compared to his normal, his normal stuff. Right. I mean, I guess what is his normal stuff now? He's done several movies that aren't even really in the horror vein right. at all, like in over the later part of his career. But um, as far as his rise and what people often know him for in like the horror genre, mm-hmm. this this is kind of an outlier, but it still feels very Cronenberg. He does. I guess yeah. just in a, a little bit different. Yeah. Like, in a little bit of a different way. Yeah, but yeah. But still very much in that, like, central oeuvre. Am I saying that right? That's <laughs> one of those words that I see written all the time. Uh, yeah. Oeuvre. Uh, what did we watch next? We watched a 42nd Street classic, mm. Schlockfest. Um, Basket case. Yeah, from 1982. This is by Frank Hannon Lauder. Uh, we'd already talked about Frankenhooker, which was a later movie of his. This was the one that sort of put him on the map, so to speak, and was a big midnight movie mm-hmm. uh, when it came <laughs> no out doubt. playing the theaters. Yeah, it's easy to tell why when you yes. watch this movie. Um this was sort of an almost an afterthought, again, because uh, I don't think of it as a twin movie, mm. but that is huge in the plot. Yeah, central to... Um, yeah. <laughs> because I guess this one, it does the twin thing without actually doing the twin thing. Right. It, like, it's more of like the the twin thing, but it's like after? Yeah, it feels like it's entirely relegated to the plot and like... Yeah. I think it's very it adds a very unique flavor to this movie, it does. and it is pretty integral to the plot. But it is something that could have been rewritten without twins, and you could have done like a similar idea. Right. Uh, I don't think it would have worked necessarily as well. Like yeah. I really think what they did here was great, but 
Um, Basket Case, yeah. <laughs> so this again was a first time view for you. I had actually was. watched it very recently. Yeah, I think I mentioned it did. on the podcast. Yeah, I really yeah. meant bringing it up. But it had been years and years before that, and I kind of forgot how fun this movie was. So, so when I suggested <laughs> we watch it again, I was like, you know what? I I saw this a week or two ago. I'm happy to watch it again. Uh, what did you think? I liked it. it. It is. It's a lot of fun. I like um, how they they took the the title yeah. of it and they really kind of played with that and made it central to the yeah. The, the plot. Yeah, if it, was a, if it was a Jalo, it would have been title first, and it's like, how do we make a plot around this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this, you know, here you see someone's a basket case, you just think they're loony, but in this case, the, it's, it's like the case of what is what the dude is carrying around in his basket. Well, I mean, what's the most repeated <laughs> line? What's in the basket? What's in the basket? What's in the basket? Comes up constantly mm-hmm. in this movie, and it almost turns into comedic effect. Well, not almost. It does oh, it turn into does. comedic effect <laughs> At one point, with yeah. how it plays out. Right. Um, but what is in the basket? Uh, so I guess I'll have to put a spoiler warning for mm. this in the beginning because we're not going to give away the ending or like how it yeah. plays out. But this is sort of a turn partway through. I mean, I've, it's hard to say how obvious it's from the, from the front because I knew that going into this movie right. didn't ruin my enjoyment at all. Well, I knew going in simply because that we had planned out what to watch around this theme. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so, and I don't think it ruined my enjoyment. Yeah, but maybe I should plunk in the little speech that he does when um, he's with Casey in the bar and she oh, asks yeah. what's in the basket. I'll just do a little chunk of that. How about like they can explain office. it better than I can explain it. Yes. There's something else I've been dying to ask you. What's in the basket? My brother. Your brother! <laughs> what is he, a midget? <laughs> no, we're twins. Siamese twins. <laughs> That's funny. You don't look oriental. <laughs> so what happened? Somebody's shrieking? <laughs> no, he's deformed. <laughs> a freak. He looks like a squashed octopus. <laughs> um, so one of the things that's interesting in this one is you don't i guess you sort of have a little bit of that kind of like and it's not as clear cut of that like good versus evil like there's a good twin and the evil twin it's more yeah. there's like the human twin and the like monstrous like resembling a weird tumor growth yeah. twin but it's sentient and even though you know the human one is he wants to you know go out and have a nice date with this girl that he met and he wants yeah. to like see the city you know all, all the see what he wants to do a bunch of human stuff yeah um he's still willing to be an accomplice for his twin yeah. well it's interesting brother because, i don't uh, know his twin belial um <laughs> the twin belial i think was his name belial belial that's like, it. like the devil like yeah the, the de- okay um is growing out of his right side that would make Dwayne the left twin and the sinister uh, evil twin which is uh but it's growing out of his side. I wonder if it's connected to his ribs there. It's like an extension. You know, that whole that whole ad, like Adam and Eve story. It's like, you're made of my rib. You're an extension of me. <laughs> well, as they <laughs> say, it's just flesh and tissue connecting them. No organs right, or okay. structure. So That's right. Um, but yeah, so we get this movie where the horror is twin brother, conjoined twins were separated. And the hideous monstro- monstrosity that is uh, Belial got thrown in the trash. Yeah, he was, he was just discarded like medical uh, waste. Even though the he's doctors even it's like, what do we do with the other one? It's like I'm sure sh- I don't even think it is human kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we learn we know really quickly because you see Dwayne Dwayne is name right Dwayne yeah. Dwayne you see Dwayne like talking communicating with him and we don't hear the we don't hear the blob twin. Yeah, but, but they can communicate like like like. 
Psychopathically, psychologically, psychopathically, whoops, uh, telepathically, it was the word. (laughs) Yeah. A little slip there. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, so so it's like the only person who recognizes his humanity, if we want to call it, that is Dwayne. Well, the aunt does too, but that's kind of the inciting instant was her death. And that's right. why they decide yeah. now is the time to go get revenge because the plot is let's get revenge on those who separated us forcefully. Mm-hmm. And oh lord, is it a revenge? <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, pretty wild. The effects. Okay, how is it that something that's so low rent and low budget and cheap has better looking blood than blockbusters coming out at the same time? Right. Like a lot of the effects are really cheesy. I love the fucking claymation oh, shots so of Blyle having a tantrum in the <laughs> hotel. It's this little claymation dude just throwing drawers around and jumping uh, on people's but faces. But the blood looks like blood. It does. And why do so many of these movies that came out they do like the red paint? Yeah, that uh, actually had budgets at the time. Yeah, so. Uh, what the fuck? Um, kudos, mm-hmm. big props to you, uh, Frank Henenlotter, and who yes. I'm, I'm not sure who did the effects on this one. Um, Whoever you are, you were valued. Legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's a big one for me. Is I'm totally fine watching movies that do like the temper plate kind, paint kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know you'd run out of movies to watch if you love yeah, exploitation <laughs> and you <laughs> and that true. was a sticking point but that's one of those ones that if you can do blood well it's like oh my hat's off to you mm-hmm. yeah anyway um so did you feel that the revenge was justified um or at least the intentions I mean, they you seem conflicted. So I, love I do. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's pretty. Like they're pretty crass, just treating him like medical waste and yep. like just re- he's like just refuse to be left in the trash. So yeah. I totally appreciate his, where he was coming from and everything, and why they were like, yeah, fuck these guys. Let's let's get them back for yeah. how they treated you. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just it it seemed. I don't know if I want to say it seemed like excessive, but I mean that's the kind of movie you're it definitely watching. did so seem it was, excessive. It was, it was, but, yeah. Of course, it was over the top and it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's, there, there is, so there's a little hesitation for me there, and I can't quite. I don't think like put into words exactly yeah. why. And when I say revenge justified, I of course mean in the revenge movie kind yeah, of. Yeah, it, mode. I, yeah, yeah. You have to suspend a whole lot of like Moral. rule of law and law and order <laughs> yeah. and like all. It's like well, clearly there is yeah. no like ethics being enacted well were they like veterinarians that were yeah but that was just like further insult added on when he finds yeah, out yeah. the, the doctor medical, who's yeah, medical them. doctors couldn't even give them the time of day it shows how much they regarded um belial as just like like a fucking not tumor. human yeah, yeah he's like you're not human we'll get an animal doctor to cut you off yeah and then just throw you in the trash yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah that's uh no i definitely i definitely think that like doctor or the doctors <laughs> like yeah they were they were in the wrong absolutely i don't know yeah how about you what do you what do you, what are your thoughts um, on the i feel quote, like unquote, they, they take things too far like mm-hmm. you're saying but at the same time you know i think they get humanized as the movie goes mm-hmm. the the characters because like mm-hmm. at first when you don't know as much about them it's this sinister dude carrying this basket around right and they're committing atrocities but then the more you see who Dwayne is apart from his brother and the more you see how much cares like especially when we get the backstory of why he's doing that like you feel like he's being manipulated 
mm-hmm. by Belial. And right. like I totally like I appreciate where where his rage is coming from, yes. given that he was discarded as medical waste. But he's sort of using his brother or that empathy his brother has in he's order to do this. He's taking advantage of it, yeah. Um. So it's uh, I I feel like. I have a fair amount of empathy for for Dwayne mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, I, I, um, I think I do too. Because I think he he gets as it goes. It it becomes more of a chore for him, and, and like yeah, well, especially when he because like, like when makes, they're fighting, they yeah. fight more and more, and he's, he's saying like, well, yeah, you know, I I I went out on a date. That's right, but. You know, I felt like I, I couldn't tell you because you never Plus, let me have anything to myself. The bag man, like I mean, he yeah. is more insidious in it too, in that yeah. he's doing the research and the legwork because he has to yeah. to, to find yeah, these he's, people. Yeah, he's definitely complicit. Uh, yeah, for sure. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the crimes, uh, he's doing this where he shows up, lets Blyle out of the basket, he's and like a then twenty, like <laughs> yeah, like his do most um, the closest he seems to get to it is with the veterinarian when he's in the office, mm. and he like brings the basket in and gets her to open it and yeah yeah and then he stays there and makes sure no one can get in and all that so like yeah he's not innocent that's for sure Mm -hmm. but i don't know it's not as cut and dry as far as like good evil yeah yeah he's he's more he's more complex than that yeah for sure so as far as twins in horror movie this one like i said i kind of didn't think of it as a twin movie hi cat in the classical sense yeah um (laughs) Yeah, because like they're they're already separated mm-hmm. physically, and they're not as psychologically conjoined as say Bev and Ellie are. Yeah, although there is the the literal psychic communication where yeah. it's a one way street. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Dwayne has to speak out loud to uh, Belial, but mm-hmm. and you mentioned that this became this like ability became stronger after their physical separation yeah he said they used to be able to both talk right. psychically but then they got separated Dwayne couldn't do it anymore but a lot better at it yeah like yeah. stronger more powerful mm-hmm. um it's interesting in that this one is they're both very very different like physically uh psychologically all these things yet a lot of the trauma is they hate that they were separated at first mm-hmm. like they you know it's the forced distance and differing yeah. of them that they hated so much because, well, one was regarded as a monster or a tumor, as you put it, and the other one was considered a human, and they wanted to heap all the praise and help on the human side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't sit well with them. That doesn't sit well with the aunt who took care of them either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hi, hi, Calypso. <laughs> anyway... Yeah, because he, he obviously his brother got the real shit end of the stick. Oh, absolutely. So he feels a certain amount of like obligation to like help him make the best of what he has, and to mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, I'm doing this for you because taking you around and enabling you to do all of this stuff because yeah. you deserve it. Basically, like, yeah, you've got a real shitty mm-hmm. deal here in life, and you deserve something. Yeah, absolutely. But then, yeah, when it starts taking away from. Dwayne's ability to pursue a quote-unquote normal life. Yeah, because he never <laughs> thought he could have one. And it's mm-hmm. not until he... Because it's his first time in New York. It shows that he's upstate. He was the family secret mm-hmm. uh, for a long time. Then he was living with his aunt who kept a Belial a secret and all that. And that was so... His life... You get the impression it was so guarded and contained. Yeah. And now this is his first time in the city. And he meets someone who likes him. Mm-hmm. And 
he's he makes a friend in uh, Casey, the uh, escort working at the hotel right. that he well living and working at the hotel that he's living at. Um, and he has uh, romantic prospects with uh, the receptionist at one of the Doctor C's after's <laughs> office. Like they go on a date together, and mm-hmm. she seems to re- to genuinely like him. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like he's realizing that what people were saying about him having a normal life was true. But can he do that with Belial? So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, mm-hmm. in a sense. So mm-hmm. it's... Hmm, now that I'm putting it other, it's a really weird sort of conflicting thing, because it's just like... The conflict is basically what people said it would be. Right. Yet they're going out because these people were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an that's interesting... That's, uh, that's a good point. But hey, that's what makes movies like this interesting, mm-hmm. right? Okay, well, that, that about does it for Basket Case. I, um, so. I do want to say another quick shout-out on it. Uh, this was by Frank Hennenlauter, who did Frankenhooker. Uh, which did you prefer? Ooh. Um... Oh, that's because t- it's, it's been a little while since I've seen Frankenhooker. Yeah. I think I was a bit more engaged in Basket Case. Yeah. Like, it, consistently. Plus Whereas... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel if I remember right in Frankenhooker, there was one point or something where I sort of like I, I don't want to say I lost interest, but I wasn't like as consistently maybe engaged or invested in okay. the plot. Whereas Basket Case, it was not I don't know. I couldn't say well, Basket Case was fun. It's like well, so is Frankenhooker. They're both fun. They're both fun. They're um, both goofy. On rewatching Basket Case, I'd probably have to agree that I think it's the my favorite of those two at least. Um, but who knows? Like, I'll watch Frankenhooker again. Maybe I'll be like, nope, it's Frankenhooker. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to see it again sometime, too. It's been... The longest for me has been, um, Brain Damage, which we will definitely watch Mm. at some point. Uh, I always sort of remember that one as my favorite of the bunch, but it's been such a long time that... You have to reassess? Yeah, I definitely need to rewatch this movie, because it's like, I'm calling it my favorite just because I remembered it being my favorite. Mm -hmm. It might Um, not be... Yeah, or I might watch it, and I might love it and appreciate it even more. (laughs) Because since Frank and Hooker, we've watched a lot more of these sort of schlock. Mm -hmm. uh, Like, we watched a documentary called 42nd Street Memories, and uh, I've been showing you a lot of the really gritty, low-budget exploitation (laughs) movies since we watched that. So, um, I don't know, do do you think that maybe you're getting more of an appreciation for these movies than you would have had for Frank and Hooker? Like, not just saying you didn't have it, but Mm -hmm. I feel like Frank and Hooker was pretty early. Yeah, it's a different um, sort of level of awareness, I guess, going into sort of the context in which it would have come out of. Yeah. Okay, so Basket Case versus Bad Biology. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, <laughs> we'll get into bad biology on a later episode, but oh lordy, I, I think your biggest review of that movie was what a cursed movie. Yeah, I think that's all I kept saying. It's just like cursed, cursed fucking movie. It was funny and but, <laughs> but oh yeah. But, oh, well, I mean the, the movie opens up with the line. So like, what was it like? So I was born with eight clitorises. Yeah. <laughs> or I was born with eight clits. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of just sets the tone. It right does away. immediately. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, so Frank Handelotter did a lot of these, and I yes. think I mentioned this before, but I have to give the dude so much credit because of all his work with Something Weird Video, uh, restoring and saving and bringing awareness to these kind of uh, low-rent movies, mm-hmm. in particular, like, 
the low rent exploitation movies. <laughs> I watched the documentary did that sexploitation not that long ago. And it's funny, a lot of what I called sexploitation movies, like I, I was just scratching the surface or just seeing mm. like a certain type of them. Like it's, well, you know, like I had never seen a nudist camp movie and that was oh, a huge glut right. of them, right? Yeah, the so, whole nudist camp, like, yeah. Like I'd heard of them, but I never yeah, watched, right. I still haven't watched one to be fair. <laughs> I've just seen what they talked about I've in the documentary. like, like uh... Desperate living. Desperate living. I kept thinking yeah, like dirty there's, living. There's like the no, nu- no, nudist shame. camp scene. Yeah, yeah so they yeah. kind of play off of that. But yeah, not, I think like, he said in the commentary that was his ode, ode to the nudist to the, camp yeah. movie. Yeah, because yeah, we know that's a whole, whole subgenre. <laughs> yeah, it was a way to get around like laws showing nudity and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, it's documenting, so yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but yeah, that was a great uh, little documentary. It, it was mostly a clip reel. But they did have interviews and they talked about the significance and the periods of these movies and all that. So it's very informative, but it's uh, maybe don't watch with your parents unless you have a very uh, liberal... <laughs> Open-minded. Yeah, family home. Because it's uh, at a certain point it feels like just a clip reel of like stag films and uh, oh, yeah. shorts and stuff. And it, like I said, it was an interesting documentary. <laughs> I recommend it, though. It was good fun. Severn Films put it out and, yeah. Okay, so um, it is us doing this podcast, and <laughs> we have uh, certain filmmakers that we near and dear have to a lot hearts. of respect for and near and dear to our hearts. And they're so nice to us. They are so nice to us. They're so lovely. Um, so we can't possibly do an episode on twins without talking about a Sasuke sister film. Um, for full disclosure, we have uh, extra... Uh, our heart goes out to them even extra because... They've been so cool to us with our film venture. Yes, under our a, filmmaking. Yeah, Tropa Films. We've, uh, well, shit, our two shorts that we finished and put out there were spurred on by projects that they did. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, and calls they put out and... Yeah. Yeah, like, well, yeah, I think both of our films right now are on their YouTube channel. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um... That might be where we're coming at with them, but that said, we they, they, they got onto our radar because of American Mary and how much we fucking love that movie. Mm-hmm. So they're not without merit or anything. They no. absolutely have that there. But uh, we're not talking about American Mary today. We're talking about their first movie, Dead Hooker in a Trunk. The title alone is... It's a title. That's... <laughs> what I'll say. See, it, it, it goes right back to that, that 42nd Street yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like this is a good, uh, Basket Case is a good segue into this. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, they are identical twin filmmakers, uh, for those who don't know, and um, they had mentioned in interviews, I believe, talking about how they grow tired of the typical roles and things available to identical twins. And Yeah, because I think that they were originally planning to do acting yes. as a career and they realized really quickly going you know it's kind of as soon as you hit puberty the roles for ch- like little girl children twins versus like all of a sudden develop you know you've developed a more well, yeah. womanly body because twins all for, of a sudden for, uh, kids what they would often do for kids in movies is they would hire twins to play one kid yeah because well, it yeah, would Mary Kane, Ashley Olsen, and yeah like, they could get around uh, labor laws easier where it's like you can only work a kid for so long you can only do this do yeah, that so blah 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 so you have, blah, two blah. Kids, so you you have double your time your, yeah yeah allotment um 
Whereas, um, you know, for adults, that's not a concern. So I imagine the work dries up unless you're specifically willing to be completely objectified and well, if that's what you want to do, you know, no judgment. Yeah, no, we're <laughs> I don't not mean to say to that in a way judgment. that's like, you know, for those who do end up taking that, that road, like power to you. But that's just Go the point work, is like, they, they've said that they yeah, were like, unhappy with yeah, they're like this, what was no. available. Um, so they became directors and this was their first movie. Um, how does the story go? They were in film school and uh, disillusioned they, with it. Yeah, and they for the final project, I think it was, they took everything that they were told not to put in a film, a movie for film school, and even came up with some of their own that the school forgot to put on the list, like necrophilia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I think made. A, I don't know if they just made a trailer. I'm but pretty sure it started as it started as a trailer. Yeah. yeah, and they they screened it there. And I think it says something like half the audience was like cheering so loud you couldn't hear anything, and the other half got up and left. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Um, and I think they dropped out after that. <laughs> yeah, this is their micro budget. Um, well, yeah, I think they just they what, like twenty five hundred bucks or something. Yeah. This one was like, let's max out our credit cards and make a movie. Yeah, and, and that's what we. That's all the power to them mm-hmm. though. Like they, they fucking did it. They, they did. completed their movie, and I think this is an insanely fun movie. It's like, it's a lot of fun. I I see a lot of people. We're like, oh, it's not even good. It's just, and it's like, no, it's it's fucking fun, and yeah, it, it's yeah for something that people like, you know, oh, I, I could make something. It's like, well, then fucking make something. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, the, the idea of like armchair directors, but it's like, okay, you make something for that budget that gets a cult following. Yeah. And has people like Eli Roth being like, oh, yeah, these ladies are going places. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, you do that and then we'll talk. Not that I think you have to be able to make something of equal caliber in order to criticize, but. Absolutely. Like, be reasonable, you know? But there's a difference between (laughs) criticizing, like, in the film critic sense of, like, this was a good movie. This wasn't a good movie. Mm -hmm. And being like, oh, wow, I could do that. This is utter garbage. Anybody could do this. Not putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, Yeah, I I mean, I I criticize shit that I... I I sway out of my lane constantly. By sway, I mean swerve. (laughs) Swerve out of my lane constantly. Like, your music will be like, oh, that sounds like shit. I can't do music... for shit like i my brain doesn't work that way I was, yeah. i've always been amazed by people who can like come up with original tunes and beats and stuff because my brain just doesn't do that yeah. but anyway i can still tell you if your music sounds like shit <laughs> <laughs> i probably won't because i'm too nice i won't say it to your face but you'll say it afterwards <laughs> yes <laughs> um but oh, anyway where was i going with yes, that um, they're, they're little they're micro budget but yeah i guess going off reception like mm. we've shown this to people a few times now and even when we get people that go like oh god that was bad or like didn't like it and stuff they still have a huge fucking grin on their oh, face yeah, they're, the they're laughing. They're and like, it's just yeah. like well if it's so bad you seem to be enjoying the fuck out of yeah. it you know? <laughs> exactly so no i i love this movie it's mm-hmm. it is something else it is um one thing in particular, though, is the way that twins function in this. Because yeah, so they, they, in addition to writing, directing, and everything, they star in it yep. as well. And yeah, be, being identical twins who wrote identical twin characters, play identical twin characters and stuff, they do some really interesting, and intentionally do this, they've talked about this in interviews and everything, but sort of um, undermining these tropes that we're used to seeing insofar as they, you know, the the twin characters they are in stark contrast to one another they mm-hmm. are they make fun of this sort of like one dimension out or one dimensional aspect of them to the point that their names are literally badass and geek yep. like they don't have names they're just named after this sort of like 
But it's funny because their characters are so different, but they at are. the same point, their characters actually drive the plot in a way that doesn't hinge on how different they are. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of humor that comes out of that, yes. for sure, but they're, they're, they're their own different people they without are. that being the experience. Yeah, and it's not like a psychodrama of the the good twin overcoming the evil twin, blah, 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 whatever the fuck that all these people who have probably don't even know any twins. (laughs) Like, this is what being a twin is like. I can say this, I'm friends with twins. Yeah, yeah. No, I I have one of my friends in high school, her sister, she has, she has identical twin sisters, and she's the one who kind of clued me into, like, differences to look for in twins' faces and stuff, where, mm-hmm. cause she, she was telling me, she's like, you know, my sister, she's like, they, she was like, I see them all the time, they look like night and day to me, they look so different, but mm-hmm. I, I would look at them and it's like, they look the same. Yeah. Like, no, they look the same. <laughs> and she's like, no, if you look at, you know, this one has a longer face, this one has this, because usually one twin has... More and just like explaining stuff that I looked, I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of see it now. So when I, I look, when I see identical twins, I'm like trying to remember these things she told me. Like, okay, which one? Oh, yeah. okay, and then like notice little differences. And at a, try at to a tell certain them point, you just kind of know. Yeah, like it's you don't have to do these tricks. It's just like yeah, that's true. If you get to know them well enough. I mean, I'm bad at faces kind of thing where, you know, I, I mix up people all the time that aren't even they don't even closely resemble each other at all. But. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you can tell Jen and Sylvia apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if this was a visual thing, we'd then go into some, like, Jimmy this Fallon-esque... This is a YouTube show. A Jimmy <laughs> Fallon-esque game of, like, which one Telling is Telling the which. twins apart challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah, Elevator made it really easy because for the first season they had different hair. And so it's yeah. just like, okay, the one with the great, like, Mrs. Lovett from Sweeney Todd hair is Jen. And then when they didn't bring that back, it was like, okay, what are some little telltale things? And then... We, so we figured out little visual indicators. But yeah, it gets to the point where when you're familiar enough, their voices are different, their intonations mm. are different, their personalities, like, you, you can just tell. Like, it's because they're different people. And at people. a certain point, just visually, too. Like, mm. I, I don't have a problem telling Tegan and Sarah apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that I don't, but every once in a while, there's a picture that, that gets yeah. me. <laughs> but the, but the, for the most part, the start, I, I think I At the start, that was a different story, yeah. but it's just like, okay, you get exposure mm-hmm. that's another one like with that might kind of almost it's in videos and stuff rely more on sort of like the intonation and the voices yeah. and the way they kind of carry themselves and but yeah there's so many there's so many indicators yeah yeah but yeah again unique human unique beings people. that are not what? weirdly like secretly undifferentiated from the other yeah yeah <laughs> what a concept uh, go figure right mm-hmm um, but we've talked about their career to an extent and uh, all that. Are you aware of any sort of... Because they, they are fairly outspoken about this stuff. Are you aware of any times that they've talked about the gross bullshit that gets flung at Twins? Mm, I don't I don't remember them saying anything quite as like explicit as like the Tegan and Sarah. Like, oh, do you guys bang? Yeah. Um, that's confounded, of course, by them being open out right. lesbians. Yeah, that's fair. Um, like, I know they have some goofy stories of, like, from childhood oh, and yeah? stuff. Like, they, um, oh, God. I'm trying to remember, it was an interview of some sort or something. Or maybe it was even in one of the, like, introductory little, like, pre-show things to Elevator airing or something. Yeah. Anyway, they were talking about, I think, um, one of them didn't want to break up with her well she wanted to break up with her boyfriend but didn't want to do it so she sent her sister in to do it for her <laughs> and then like i, I don't know, it might have been sylvia getting jen too so that seems like how it would go but who the fuck knows they're they're great 
Um, they both try to claim to be the evil twins. So. Yeah. <laughs> because there can only be one. Yeah. Um, but then this, like, okay, I broke up for him and I broke up with him for you and he, he didn't, he couldn't even tell it wasn't you. And she's like, well, fuck him then. Like, he couldn't even tell us apart. Like, <laughs> it's like, that was a breakup. <laughs> it's that we was turfed him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's too funny. Yeah. So it's more like humorous stuff, I think, but yeah, I, I can't remember any like explicit okay. thing other than just very general, like, yeah, you know, do you want to be the sexy twins in our, and the face you're making is just like, Ugh. <laughs> Although I will think it's it's funny how different they are in Dead Hooker in a Trunk mm-hmm. and how that's played out. And then in American Mary, they really play <laughs> the identical. They, they are hard to tell apart in that. There are it, times, like a lot of times, where it's, it's like, like, I can tell them apart. Are they even, yeah. are they even actually identical? And then <laughs> they are. But there, <laughs> like, there's like but a the, symmetry to their performance is, on it. Yeah. And, and by design, yeah. but it's... um. Exactly. So it's interesting seeing the flip mm-hmm. from uh, one movie to the next one. Because, um, I mean, in that one, they're... Well, they, they, even in American Mary, they play up that sort of connectedness where they're like, yeah. we're always together, we will always be together. So... Yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they definitely play with that. Where the, the where one's body ends and begins gets blurred with their strange their request surgery for surgery. Request, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then that, then that way, even if, if one dies before the other, they will always have a piece of yeah. of one another. And yeah, that's... Which that's almost funny. harkens back to the Cheng and Ang thing mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, for those that don't know, I guess, Cheng and Ang, they, they recount the story in... Uh, in Dead Ringers. Dead Ringers. They recounted Sisters. They recounted in that X-Files episode, Humbug. It's recounted anywhere and everywhere that you have conjoined twins or the this thought is the of first conjoined case, twins. It's the first sort of... This is where the name Siamese twins comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because uh, what had happened was one of them had died in the night of heart failure. And the other one... They lived to to adulthood. Yeah, they lived to adulthood. Um, They had their own careers and lives, but it was still a lot predicated on they were still conjoined. Yes. Um, Because I don't think they... Well, then... I, I don't know what the time was. So I don't know if there was even like had been attempts to separate, but I don't. Yeah. I think they wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. And survive kind of thing because obviously you know you have someone in like in basket case where it's where like this you said it's just a flesh and tissue connecting. It's not like vital organs yeah. or anything like that. But it it really varies case to case. Well, yeah, you've seen uh, that there's that case in the states of the conjoined twins where it's just about two heads sharing the same body. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that's or even like um I've seen. They even, I think it's called when you have like a parasitic twin, where it's not a fully developed or even like conscious twin. Like, but I, I saw a whole like medical special on it one time years ago. Oh, it's like the movie Dark Half, where he's got the parasitic twin in his brain. Or is brain. that like Ed, like that man? What is it, Edward Mandrake? Oh yeah, where it's the, like the face. face on the yeah, back I, of I his head. I remember seeing it was it was so eerie that and it would whisper to him. Yeah, <laughs> but in this case, it was it was a little girl, like a little toddler, even or she may have even still been a baby, and she's she has this other head connected to her head, and from all medical tests, they could tell this this this, this other head. It was not conscious, it was not sentient or anything like that. But it, the brains were connected, and its its eyes would open, its mouth would open, like it 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 would it was like it was like it was you know alive. And I get, you know, I guess it is to an extent, but not in a way like that, not like a sentient, fully formed right. human. So, but it still has that, like, what? visually it looks like another so that, cat. So that it's... cat that had two faces. It was like mm. two cats yeah. growing in one. Right. Um, anyway, so yeah. Chang and Ang, back, <laughs> yes. back to that. Um, one of them died in the night of heart failure. 
and the other one woke up and found them and supposedly died of fright. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea is that they're two separate people, they had their own causes of death and all that stuff, but they're so connected and so conjoined that... Yeah. And even though one's medical event did not physically impact the other one to the point that they both died and would die in their sleep. Psychologically. Psychologically, yeah. it was, yeah, just, like you said, died of fright. Yeah. <laughs> or at least that's, that's what they, they recount in Dead Ringers. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm no historian, I'm just a movie <laughs> fan. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, Sasuke Sisters. You uh, have a favorite movie of theirs? Is it still American Mary? I think so. Yeah, it's probably my favorite. I'm excited too. for Rabbit, though. I oh, I am that. so excited yeah. for Rabbit. Just for those who you somehow don't know, they are doing the remake of David Cronenberg's Rabbit. Yeah. Which is, I think, slated to come out. Oh, we're coming next year. full circle with the We discussion. are, yeah. <laughs> Back to Cronenberg. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, it's one of those things where I say American Mary is my favorite because it's so fucking great. But believe me, I would love it if Rabbit dethroned it, because imagine how good that movie would be. Yeah, Cause, like, exactly. That is no small feat, because no. American Mary is fucking fantastic. And so is Rabbit, so um, doing justice to a remake Yeah. as well. And then, of course, we are firmly on board with the idea of three no evil. Yes. Because yep. <laughs> they did see no evil, too. Yeah, so... Which, as we've mentioned in the past, we... We're fans of, oh, of that fun. series. They they're, are they so are fun, fun movies. They are way better than they have any right to be. I feel like they have the makings <laughs> of, of like franchising as far as totally. slasher things go. Um, sure, the the first one may not be as classic as say Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth, but you've but seen... it's fucking funny and great. And like, that's it's... usually what the sequels come to when mm-hmm. they're good. Like. Mm-hmm. A lot of those franchises hit real lulls and real fast. Too. It's the kind of thing where it's like if I can get like like Friday the Thirteenth Part Six is fucking hilarious and it's mm-hmm. fun. It may not be high cinema, but mm-hmm. it's enjoyable. Wouldn't so it to be. <laughs> that's what these movies are too. Mm-hmm. Like um, yeah, and the premise the premise being like behind the movie where it's like it's a WWE studios yeah. slasher movie where like. You think like, oh my god, that's ridiculous! It's fucking great. <laughs> I, like, I, I was even <laughs> impressed with the setups for mm-hmm. for not being for being less cookie cutter than I anticipated. Yeah, yeah, too. They, absolutely. So good stuff, good stuff. Um, but we'll wait for Rabbit first. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that one before we uh, start pushing too far. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess it's about time that we do a bit of wrap-up Yeah, here. that works. Uh, before we get to the recommendations, I do need to do a giant corrections for last episode. Mm. You mentioned this briefly in the Instagram post. I did. But we were talking about uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night, and how we're like, come on, Vinegar Syndrome, get at us with the restoration. We need a good copy of this. They did... They restored it like a few years ago. It's just it's just they put it out for digital download. Was yeah, it? it was digital as opposed to um, a like physical, physical re- release. release, which is why it completely slipped my radar because um, it was digital and it was a free download. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that I had it on an old hard drive somewhere. Yeah, I had <laughs> when it was put out as a free download. I downloaded it, and it's one of those things where I completely fucking spaced that this mm-hmm. had happened. So we watched the worst <laughs> version of it, uh, and I briefly went and looked at a little bit of the cleaned up one and you know it's you can still tell it was taken from a really messy print right. but oh it was night and day how yeah, good well, you sent me looked. some screenshots and i was just like oh shit you're like i can see what's happening <laughs> wow 
So we were saying that we wanted to revisit that one with a better print. Now we can. Yeah, we can. We might not do it right away, but... Maybe next Christmas maybe, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about yeah. uh, our renewed interest in this yes. movie. Yes, yeah. exactly. But know that we that we know that we can do exactly what we said we wanted to do. Okay. And yeah, we're sorry for uh, not being on top of things vinegar syndrome. And not having as much faith in you, apparently, as we should have. Yeah. You were were years ahead of our bullshit. Yep. Yeah. So credit where credit is due. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so recommendations. Um, I believe it's your turn to recommend. Okay. what are you thinking? I was trying to think of other instances of, like, twins and stuff and i was blanking (laughs) so uh but then i kind of broadened that to this idea of like doppelgangers into whatever which i should probably do yeah yeah this doubling and this um the physical being physically identical but um the conflict being in the personality differences yeah and I, be, being uncreative, am just going to go right back to sugar cookies. For... <laughs> you really want to make sure people watch this yes, fucking movie. watch the fucking movie. It's yeah, it's... amazing. Yeah, watch sugar I'm cookies. I'm still obsessed with it. So... Well, that's a good recommendation. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it quite yet. I wouldn't, yeah, but... and I, I want to make sure we have, like, some friends that we know will love it when we do rewatch it. Yeah, we will do a rewatch of it with our friends. With our pals. Yeah. it's cool, just cool, that cool. good. But yeah, there's this... Because... Well, yeah, if you haven't listened to our Girls on Screen episode or anything. What the fuck? I know, that's one of our better ones, too. Yeah. Anyway. It's the only good episode we've done. No, we... we okay, I, I, I'm still really here for Queer Eye for the Brundlefly. Yeah, okay. Like, just the title alone. Yeah, Anyway, okay. um, Sugar Cookies, the premise being that there are two different characters, but they're played by the same actress. Mm-hmm. And after one is sort of killed before she should have been, yeah. they, they need to find her replacement for a film, and they find this woman who looks identical, and just this process of trying to, like, mold her into being identical in every way to this woman that she resembles, and the conflict and everything that goes right. on with that. So that's my recommendation. Watch fucking Sugar Cookies. Yeah, if you haven't done it yet, fucking get on it. So good. <laughs> yeah, fuck. What's your recommendation? My recommendation is going to be uh, Video Nasty. Mm. Um, I don't think this is spoilers to mention this one because I'm pretty sure it's set out right at the beginning, the, the idea of twins okay. in it. Um, I'm not going to go into how it plays or doesn't play in the movie, partly because it's been so long since I've seen it. Fair enough. But I am recommending 1981's Madhouse, a.k.a. There Was a Little Girl. That's there the other was title. a little girl. But Madhouse is uh, how it's available from Arrow Video here in the U.S. And I think in the U.K. as well. We're not in the U.S. We're in Canada. Here US in North America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. U.S. Yeah, yeah. Canada market. Unfortunately, the Canadian Blu-ray market is usually the, US the same market. one. <laughs> Although it is fun sometimes, the movies that get released here and not in the U.S. Mm. It's not often, but every once in a while. Yeah, and they th- they'll throw a zinger at you just to keep you on Just your keep toes. you on just your toes. Just keep you on your toes, yeah. Okay, here in North America, uh, it was released by Arrow. I'm pretty sure it was also released in the... Because, I mean, they're a UK mm-hmm. company, so unless they didn't have the rights there, it's probably... Right. Um, Madhouse, it is a bloody, bloody slasher movie with some really absurd moments in there. Um, I don't think it should have necessarily been banned as it would Most have been as a uh, video nasty but it's definitely one of the more enjoyable ones mm. in my opinion just possibly cool. because of the mix of thriller plotting with absurd moments nice um that sounds fun 
Uh, yeah, I like it. I don't want to go into it too much because not until you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Uh, but that'll be a good addendum to this episode okay. as of just a little more with the concept of twins. Sounds good. Yeah. And then we're going to rewatch it and then I'll realize I'm thinking of the wrong movie or something. But <laughs> as far as I'm aware, this is an apt recommendation. So I'm okay. going with Based it. Based off of your memory and knowledge that you think you have. Yeah. Cool, cool. But I suppose that'll about do it for us today. Yeah. This is the earliest we've recorded an episode before putting it out. Yeah, it's what, Thursday? Yeah, it's Thursday. Yeah, we usually record them on like Sunday, yeah, Saturday. We, we just put out an Sometimes episode yesterday. Monday, and we usually and we release them Wednesday, so. I mean, even for our first episode. Right. We recorded it like the day before anyway, so. <laughs> like, we need to be out on Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I'm uh, excited to uh, have a bit of breathing room in editing this yes. one, putting it together. <laughs> I need to buckle down right away. Yeah. Of course, watch me, like, forget about it till Tuesday night and be like, oops, I was supposed to do a thing. <laughs> well, oh well. Oh well. We'll see. Cross that bridge if we come to it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess until then, take it easy and keep it sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>